Whether it's for work or play, we rely on home internet so much these days. Being connected and staying connected has never been more important. So if you want reliable internet bought you at speed, switch to Aussie Broadband. It only takes a few minutes to sign up and their 100% Australian-based support team are ready to help. Aussie Broadband, the actual Aussie way. Find out more at aussiebroadband.com.au. T's and C's apply. This week's episode is brought to you by our beautiful friends at Bloke in a Bar. We love Bloke in a Bar and we cannot thank them enough for all their love and support and kindness and uh, keeping the lights on. They've been a big supporter of the show for a long, long time and they are absolutely killing it. They have so many new stockers, especially in Victoria. You've got to head in store and check them out. Harry Brown in Craigieburn, Steve's Liquor in Hyatt, Barclay Cellars St Kilda, Heather Hill Cellars Frankston, Duncan's Exeter Cellars Croydon North, Elm Dining Bright, Packenham Cellars Packenham, Church Street Cellars Richmond, Steve's Liquor Springvale South, the local Sunbury in Sunbury. Make sure you go in, check it out, and make sure your next beer of choice is a bloke in a bar. You can even head to the website blokeinabar.com to find your nearest stockist. Illy, drink responsibly. Guys, have I got an absolute treat for you. The first of its kind. Dylan Friends goes international. This was unbelievable. Um, Obviously, the... 150th Open in Scotland, yeah, just just so blessed, so grateful to even be here firstly, but secondly to to chat to Lucas Herbert just after he finished around with Phil Mickelson, be invited into his own place, spent you know a couple of hours there just chilling out. He's one of the all-time dudes. I could not speak higher of him. Just a, just a classic, great bloke, great Aussie country bloke from Bendigo. Yeah, just doing incredible things. I, I really love this pod. Just talking to him. I've never spoken to a professional golfer before. But yeah, it was just so interesting to learn about, you know, the lifestyle of a golfer, being able to compete and play against guys like, you know, Phil and Tiger and Rory and Cam Smith and all these types of guys. It, it was it was really crazy. Uh, Lucas is, you know, top 40 in the world. He's an absolute, yeah, just, just beautiful guy, lovely man. And, and it was really interesting. Like, I think a lot of people that I've spoken to, I always maybe try and go like, you know, to be the best, you got to do this and do this. And Lucas was awesome. I just called me out going like, man, you know, I don't really want to be those things. I just want to play the best I can. I want to travel the world. I want to be with good people around me. Like, I don't want to be Tiger Woods. I don't want to do that. I want to be able to live my life and do all these sorts of things. So it's just a really refreshing chat with an awesome dude. Um, spoke about, yeah, what he's doing at the moment, his lifestyle and goal, playing in Scotland, what he's going to be doing after, favorite places to travel, where he sees himself living, mindset. Yeah, just just unbelievable chat. So loved it. Couldn't be more blessed to do it. Anyway, all thanks to you know our good friends at Coinspot as well for powering this trip and and partnering with them. They're, they're absolute stars. So yeah, huge. Can't wait. Have a listen. Let us know what you think. Hi fam, it's Dylan's mum Deborah. This is Dylan Friends. He's like, you can embarrass yourself, and I was like, bro, do you want me to do all seven verses? Bit arrogant. Didn't know all yeah. seven. <laughs> so I've been in a bad team for ten years, and we got a chance to do something pretty special this year. All you can do is put your hand up and say you're wrong. Banter is a way that guys connect. A way that we can kind of play it safe with someone until we get to know them. I try to fix people sometimes. I'm like, Dan, stop doing that. Just listen. And you stack on top of that the habit of not taking your phone when you take your dog. It's easy. They had no other way to get out of the cave, and we either turn our backs on them, in which case they're going to die. Or we give this crazy idea a go. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. So I was on the seventh tee today. Yeah. I looked to my right. We're starting now. Did you see me? Hey. Is this yours? Get calm. Yeah. So I looked, I'm on the seventh tee today (laughs) and I looked to my right. Alistair Clarkson's on the right. Yes. I was probably the last person I expected to see. What did you think? Well, because like, I haven't really fired the AFL the last week that much, (laughs) but I saw that, um, who was it? Who was the um, North? North coach. Dave Noble. David Noble 
got encouraged to resign. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought I had, like, obviously Clarko is, like, popular name to pop up. So, I saw that there was, they were, I'm assuming North Melbourne would probably want him to come. Yeah. So, I saw that and then, so I'm thinking, and I heard that he was like, nah, not interested or whatever. So, I'm thinking he's back in Australia. So, I'm like, What? Like it was very, it was. Did he, did you like make eye contact? Did you know that? You, like, do you reckon there was a part there where he knew you knew, etc. Mm, maybe I don't mm. know. But my like dad went up and found him. Dad's like, oh, you following Phil? He's like, no, I'm following Lucas. Yeah, he does. Because like, well, what? funnily enough, we ran into him at the airport. We got the same flight over. Right. Okay. And we we're saying the same thing that we're going to come up, have a pod with you. Um. So yeah, I knew that he'd been a big fan for a while. Um, I did not know that. Yeah. It's huge. Clarko's probably not big on Instagram, so I wouldn't know whether he's a fan or no, not. No, no, he's not. I think he's got some ghost um, accounts anyway. Yeah, he's got a couple of ghosts. He's got a ghost account that he's really just humming through. But, mate, I swear he'll be around. Like, he's around all week. So, he's um, a big golf nut. Yeah, well, no, he's not. He's like, he's got a few mates he said that are coming over. They went to London, went to Liverpool for a bit, and then he said he was coming up to the Open. Right. Because I was thinking about it as well, like, when did he start coaching Hawthorne? Like, 03? Uh, when did Peter Schwab quit? Yeah. 03, 04, yeah. something around there. Yeah. So he wouldn't like he would have never been able to come to the open in all those years because no. he would have been coaching through the middle of the season. Yeah, he well, he's only ever been away. So he said like the last this has been his last six months, he was saying he went to the NBA mm. with Golden State. Yeah. And now he's coming to the open in Scotland. Yeah. Was, so I was like, yeah, he's probably actually never really been able to do this. Yeah. Hey, well let's um let's talk about you though, mate. Um you're dominating at the moment. Uh, incredible game today. Are you happy with that? Like, is that is that something you're very happy with? A good start, to wonder. Um, like it's a good, it's almost like a good bad day in yeah. a way. Like, yeah. um, I don't know. I just didn't really. I would have liked to have caught fire a bit more and like made a few birdies. I just didn't really quite get a few breaks go my way on the back yeah. nine and like two under's not bad, but it's also like I feel like I could have shot five under very easily as well, and that's like that's a very different one to sleep on tonight. Yeah. So. Um, I'm sure everyone will probably have one of those rounds through the tournament. So I'm not really, I'm not stressed. What do you What do you do with that? Like when you like, do you review your game? Do you Do you go back and watch it, or do you just mentally go, okay, like here's some like holes that maybe I'll play different tomorrow. Like I know there's pin placements that are different, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Like, what goes through your head post that? Yeah, I mean this one's a this one's like super interesting because like it would change it it changes like it'll change through the day. Like the we're sitting here watching now, yeah, and like the way the guys are playing, take the fourteenth hole for example, the way they're playing that now versus how it was played three hours ago versus how it was played when I played it is like super different, yeah. depending on the wind and stuff. Um, like if the rain comes through, then it softens things up, and that's like that's different. So it's like you can have a you can have a bit of a game plan as to how you're going to do it, but you got to like you got to be able to sort of fix it on the fly as well and and figure out like. Um, it's, this course is all about angles. So, like, if you're landing on big down slopes, especially because it's so firm, it's like you're just never going to get it close. Mm. So, you, it's all about, like, trying to get tee shot into a spot where it's like it gets a good angle to the pin. But because it's designed really well, it's like they put the trouble right where you want to hit it. So, it's like you can hit it over here for the angle, but there's going to be a bunker that's five yards away that it's, like, good enough to hit it there. Like, good on you but if you get it wrong you're coming out sideways do you know what's funny man it's like today so i must admit there's two things in this i must admit this is the first golf comp i've ever been to in my life yeah and it's 150th you know open yeah, so in like it's i don't think it'll ever get better than this probably not no and maybe I, the masters I, maybe the masters yeah. which we which we can do but i'm sitting in the stands today 
and watching. And I look out there on the course and I'm like, I reckon I could make a par out here. Like in my head, I, I seriously thought it was that, like it just looks there. And then as soon as like a play comes up and you see them hit a green and then you just see the ball just roll and they just go everywhere. You see the undulations, you, you do it. Like it is unbelievable how tricky these courses are. Yeah, but that's like, I think golf's such a good sport because like yeah. you could make a par out there. You can make a birdie out there. Like it's not, the golf course is not, incredibly hard mm. so to speak like and that's what again why it's such a good design as well is like um not gonna say you're a bad player an average player or whatever but like someone who's not a great player um can make pars like it's very cheap. Yeah. Well, it's not like you know you, go you can to, fluke it you go to a course like beth played beth page black in america and it's like an average golfer is not going to break 100 or 120. Like, that's not fun. Whereas, like, St. Andrews is, like, really fun. You know, like, I didn't play a practice round Monday or Tuesday this week. And it was actually really hard because it's, like, one of the few courses where I was, like, this is really fun to play. You know, because it's so firm. You can, like, hit it over here and it runs around and it finishes up over here. And it's, like, it's like playing, like, putt-putt golf, mini-golf. Mm. You know, it's just... Whereas, you know, a lot of time you're playing practice rounds and it's so boring because it's just it's just the same. It's just another fairway with a bunker on the right that you've just got to miss that left and then it's like aim at a pin and hope like it's just a skills contest as to how close you can land it. But this is like this week's a very much a tactical challenge. Love it, mate. We're gonna be uh, we're gonna be following you all week. Today, um, we did miss today because we we got in late, missed I was our train. Say, yeah, well, I was off early, right? We missed our train, unfortunately. Oh really? But you play with Phil Mickelson. Yeah. One of the all-time stories to come out of that game. <laughs> yeah. This is this is genuinely unbelievable, and I, I didn't want to touch it, but it's actually sitting right there. Yeah, <laughs> the glove. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was funny. Like I thought it was probably good enough to share on Instagram. It's it's, and it went on. I shared it, and it went on for a long time. I dragged that story out a long time, but yeah, drag it even longer now because it is <laughs> it is actually genuinely piss up. So yeah, like 2011, I was 15 years old. So you had to be 16 to be a volunteer at the President's Cup when it first came. Oh, I mean the second time it came to Australia, but hadn't been back for a while, and um, obviously like all the big players were coming down. So like when we were kids, we sort of got told like volunteer at these events or like try and caddy it like you know caddy for someone who needs a caddy in the aussie open or something you might learn you know you might learn a thing or two yeah. so i'm 15 years old it's like you've got to be 16 to register and i'm like fudge the age like i'm i'm 16 yeah so like i go out there and I, i'm like you know the little standard barriers so yeah. like it's just like the, the tiny scoreboard they carry around for all the spectators that are like at the course rather than having to rely on the leaderboards um so I carried those around for, I can't even remember the, the specific groups, but like I know I did Jeff Ogilvy and Bill Haas on the last day in the singles. And um, so the Americans won and it was like, everyone was hanging around the back of the, it's the 17th on the East course. I don't know, it might've been like the 14th or 15th that week. Everyone was sort of congregating there. And it was like in this sort of corner where the spectators couldn't get because I was volunteer, I was inside rope. So like I was in there with his hat, getting everything signed. I was loving it. Like, I thought it was the coolest thing. Like, Tiger just won his match and we, like, shook out, he shook our hand and, like, signed a ball for us, signed my hat, like, literally talked to us. We were like, this is the coolest thing ever. And then we're walking up the next hole. I think there must have been a match goes through. So everyone follows this match and we're walking up and Phil's, like, walking along the fairway with Amy. And I'm like, hey, Phil, like, can I get an autograph? And he's like, oh, it's not really a good time right now. Like, can we do it up here later on? And I was like, you're not playing. Like, yeah. whatever. Like, I'm 15. What am I going to do? Argue with him. But 
um, yeah, denied me his autograph. So I'm like, I never liked him since then. Because <laughs> it was every single other player, every single other player gave me an autograph. Like Dustin Johnson's there, like holding his missus hand and like still signed it, mm. still signed a hat for me. Like the caddies are like throwing me in there. Like go in there, get like get the whole autographs. Um, and Phil was the only one. So developed the hatred for him um, off the back of that. <laughs> so cool. Never liked him. Everything he did, like he's one of those divisive characters where you either love him or hate him. So everything he did, I just, oh, no, I hate that. Yeah. Um, so then, yeah, rolls around. Like I've seen him plenty of times out on tour, but like never really had anything to do never with him. Never played with him? Never played with him. Never played a practice round. Like um, we're not really that close together in the locker rooms. It's never like you sort of end up seeing him or hanging out with him. Um, so then, yeah, I get paired with him this week and I'm like, oh, great. Like, firstly, <laughs> firstly, it's like, it's going to be carnage with the crowds because they're like, you're going to have a lot of people yelling just dumb American things out, basically. Yep. Um, but secondly, I'm like, oh, God, Phil, right, okay. <laughs> and there's obviously like a lot of controversy around him at the moment too. and With the live golf stuff? Yeah, yep. and he's obviously made some pretty bad comments. So it's like, I didn't really need to pile anything on top. Like, he already feels pretty shit about himself. Yeah. So. Um, so yeah, anyway, we play like he was, he was pretty good. Like he was pretty friendly. Um, had a couple, like had a couple of chats with me on the way around. He was telling me he's like, he's going to like Africa next week. Cause he's got this, his coffee companies like started from like Rwanda or Tanzania or something like that. Wow. He was telling me his whole story behind like how it had started. And I was like, yeah, right. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, anyway, we get to 15. And it's sort of been like quiet conversation for a while. So I'm like, hey, Phil. And he's like, yeah, what's up? And I'm like, just want to let you know, I hate you. And he's like, well, I, like, there's loads of reasons why people hate me right now. Like, what's the reason you hate me pretty much? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, told him this story of the um, of the president's car. And it was funny too, because I went like a while ago, I was, I was re-watching the old footage and it somehow it shows it. Like they yeah. caught it in the, in the corner of the video. Of um of me getting denied this autograph, so I um I found, I went and found the video today and um yeah put it on my story, but yeah, told the whole story. He's like, oh, I'm so sorry, man, and I'm like, no, you're not. Like, yeah. I do the same thing now. There's yeah. like 500 people there, and especially to like mid round, like the amount of times in practice rounds and stuff that you have to be like, look, I'd love to sign your autograph, but I'm gonna have to sign everyone's, and I can't, I don't have time to do that right now. So like, can everyone come to the like if you want if you really want my autograph. And you're not just like, obviously, if, you, if you're collecting hundreds of them like, and you don't really care about me, you're not going to come. But if yeah. you really want my autograph, like come to, after we've finished on 18 and I'll happily sign everything you want. Um, so, yeah, anyway, like I know what it's like. So, I'm, I was just kind of ribbing and I'm like, man, I'm just having a laugh with you or whatever. So, we finished the round and like I'm marking his card. So, I throw his card in front of him and I'm like, all right, here's round two of me asking for your autograph because you've obviously got to sign the card yeah. round. So, here's round two of me asking for your autograph. So he goes, and his caddy Tim is in the in the scorer's hut, and he's like, "Hey Tim, can you throw me the sharpie?" So he gets a sharpie, gets his glove. He writes like, "Lucas, eleven years too late." So yeah, can you? So yeah, there Lucas, eleven years late, and then signed it for me. That is unbelievable. <laughs> it was brilliant. Um, I thought about signing a glove back for him. Quick break in today's podcast to talk to you about our friends at Bloke in a Bar. They're dominating. They're doing incredible things. They're all about enjoying times with your mates, getting deep, getting a six-pack and splitting five with your friends. We love it. You love it. And Bloke in a Bar 
love it. And thank you to them for all their love and support. Now, they're in so many new stockers. They're getting into Victoria, and we've got to go show our support. It would be in the world. As I said earlier, Harry Brown, Craigie Byrne, Steve's Licker Hyatt, Barclay Sellers St Kilda, Heather Hill Sellers Frankston, Duncan's Exeter Sellers Croydon North, Elm Dining Bright, Packnam Sellers Packnam, Church Street Sellers Richmond, Steve's Licker Springvale South, the local Sunbury. Guess where that is? It's in Sunbury. Make sure you get in there, check it out, and you can head to blokeinabar.com to find your nearest stockers as well. Make sure you drink responsibly, fam, and make sure we show some support to Bloke in a Bar, Illy XX. You! For him. But, uh, <laughs> so good. But yeah, that was that was a pretty funny story for the day. So. Unbelievable story. That's been uh, that's been doing the rounds on socials at the moment. Dominating. Those types of like partnerships, but when you're playing with people, you're sitting around like all day, you got to play with someone. Like them, hate them, you don't know who they are. Like mm-hmm. who's some people that you've played with where it's been, you've not like you've either been not that great to play with, loved playing with, or even like a little bit starstruck to play with? Um, Tiger's always like whenever you see him, you're always just looking over your shoulder to yeah. see what he's doing, um, especially now too because he's like you so rarely see him. Yeah. So, you're like you're looking over to like, oh, how's his leg? Like how's he moving, you know? And then also too just like what's – how's he preparing? Because obviously like he's trying to do – as much as possible with as little energy as possible because he's like he's he's pretty frail right mm. now so you're looking like what are the shots that he's hitting around the greens or you know what where's he hitting it to try and you know tactically beat the field because that's kind of what he's got to do now he's he's not gonna he's you know when he won here 20 years ago he was hitting it so far past anyone else and just he was better in every area mm. but now he just doesn't have those um, those assets of his game that are just so much better than everyone else. He's kind of got to beat people tactically a bit. And so it's just, he's one that you're definitely looking around to see what he's doing. Um, I don't know. You can get guys on like bad days or definitely like if it gets to the weekend of a major, there's there's not much chat going yeah, on. Yeah. So like, like, does it get like with it, like where there's one-on-one, does it get competitive? Like, does it get to the stage where you'll put, try and put each other off or- no, nah, it never it never really goes to gamesmanship yeah. like that. Unless you get to like if it's down to like a two horse race, um, you might you might be doing little things here and there that like you wouldn't necessarily do stuff that would put off the other person. Yeah. Um but you would maybe do stuff that's not gonna help them. Yeah. Um you know, like whether it's like pace of play stuff or just like it's probably more a concern. It's probably more of like, well, I'm just going to do my thing, and I'm like, I'm your, you're my direct competitor today, so I'm not going to go and help you out. Yeah. Um, whereas it's a bit more of like Thursday, Friday, you're a bit more like helping each other out. You know, you might, um, you might help find each other's pitch marks, or like someone will rake a bunker for someone else because it's like, you know, just helping each other out to share the load a bit more. Like that probably just doesn't happen on the weekends. Yeah. And then like, yeah, I mean, PGA, I played like fourth or fifth <coughs> last group, and it was very. You know, there wasn't a lot of chat going on. If you yeah. got a, if you got ten minutes on a tee box waiting for a, you know, there's a long wait on a tee. Yeah, you'll have a bit of a chat. But yeah, yeah walking down the fairways is pretty quiet, and it doesn't. You you don't really notice it too because the crowd's pretty loud, and generally you have some chat going on with your caddy, and you so up in your own head that yeah. you sort of you get to the end of the round. You like I played with Max Homer the last round of the PGA, and I was like, oh, I hardly got to talk to the guy all day, and I don't think he's a bad guy, but. You, yeah, you're so you were just so in. engrossed in your own yeah. thing that you just oh yeah. I, mean, oh. I, I guess it's probably like playing footy, like round one, round two. You're pretty friendly with, especially if it's a team that you've like played. You know, you've played on their team before, and you 
playing against them, like you go chat to all the boys, but like when you're in there, you get don't, to a yeah. semi final or a grand final, like there's no friendly chat going on before the first bounce. I'd imagine that's elite. Yeah, no, that that makes complete sense. The um this week is actually you're actually playing with Tiger on Sunday. Is that right? Are you paired up with him on Sunday? No, no, no. T shirts. No, nah, there's no Tiger no. Nah. Okay. No, nah, so, so it's all it's out? all done. Um, so like after the first two rounds is a cut. Yep. And then they repair everyone based on score. So the so top do you know two players will tomorrow? play last. Um, so, yeah, the first two rounds are the same pairings. Okay, so you play yeah. Phil again tomorrow. Yeah. So yeah. they try and do it. The Open's a little bit different because um, you've obviously got sunlight for basically the whole day. It's like 6.30 is the first tee time through to, I think, 4.30 in the afternoon. And then so you, they try and space it out where it's like you'll probably get one morning and one afternoon. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't always work out exactly right. So I've got 7.30 and then 12.30. Mm. So that's a, like that's a pretty good time. Um, the early, like you want your early tee time to be as early as possible, so the wind's not up. You want to play in like as many holes as you can, not in the wind. So it's complete. Like the pairings are all done manually. Like they select who's playing with each person. Um, it's not like a drawing out of a hat thing. Okay. But I think it's a bit random with like who gets, you know, who gets the very early times and who gets the later times. Like it's. Yeah, some weeks you get the some weeks you get some good times, some weeks you get some average ones, and it's like it's a bit of luck of the draw. Did notice that coming over, like we're walking out to your house now, just to set the scene. We're actually in your place um, in Scotland. <laughs> Thank you so much for having us. It's it's very right. swaggy. Love it. But it was getting windy as outside, like yeah. at later stage of the day. So you're completely right, as you would be. Um, favorite holes here? What do you love? What do you love about the course? What's what are you looking forward to hitting? It's just that eighteenth hole, like yeah. the whole that whole like first and eighteenth fairway joined together. It's like He's looking around the whole time and just soaking it in. Like everyone's up on the rooftops and the balconies looking over. And like even I think today we went through it midday and the back grandstand wasn't that full. But, you know, tomorrow afternoon it's going to like there'll be a lot of people out there. It'll be like a very cool atmosphere to come up 18 there. Um, there's a lot of holes on this course. Like 17's iconic as well, hitting over the hotel. Mm. Like that's a real cool one. Um, what else? I like... I like the holes around the loop too. So the loop's like basically St. Andrews for people who don't know is like the first seven holes go straight out in the same direction. So it's like um, we look at like wind direction on a clock face. So that this morning it was like a 10 o'clock wind. So it's like into you from your left. Um, so it's a 10 o'clock wind for the first seven tee shots in a row. So normally you think on a golf course, you like go this way, then you go that way, then you go that way. And then like, and it's a bit of a square and you kind of, you know, it changes around. St. Andrews is not like that. You go on seven holes straight into the wind. You turn around and play two back, two back that way, and then seven holes coming straight back in. So the loop is like the holes that are right out at the end. Um, it's a very unique golf course like that. It's like sometimes you'll get a day where the wind will switch halfway and you'll play every hole into the wind. So it's like <laughs> you, can, you can have nightmarish yeah. days like that. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um. One thing I've been fascinated, even like coming here today, hang with you, like firstly, just how like relaxed you are as a dude. Like, and I can't believe, like I really, we do really appreciate you having us out here. But what's like the life of a golfer like? Where, where are you based? How often are you traveling on the road? Like what's your team like? like there's a million questions in that, but what, what's it like? How, how could you sum it up at the moment? Because we, we first connected probably what, like six months ago? Mm. We we're going to do a pod. I think we missed each other by a day because you were shooting back to the US. Yeah. Have you been home since? Uh, yeah, so I went to I came to the states. I went out to the states January fourth. Haven't been back home since. Yep. Um, look, like it's kind of like every job, right? You've got some things that suck a bit, and there's like 
Like it's do some pretty awesome stuff. Like I'm not going to lie, my job does not suck. The probably the difficult, the most difficult thing is like the things that suck about it. No one can relate to, you know, like if I go and talk to any of my mates back home about the things that suck, they're like, yeah, right. Yeah. Tell me more about that. You know, like no, no one gets it and no one ever will get it. Yeah. Um, you know, and you look on social media with like, look at any AFL footballer that complains about having mental health issues. Like no one wants to hear about it because they're making, you know, six figures to play AFL football for a living. Like they're thinking boohoo, I'm making 50 grand stacking shelves or, you know, yeah. doing a job that I hate. It's all relative though. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's like, it's probably similar with golf in a way. Like there's some times that really suck. Um, yeah, obviously like my parents are out here. They've been out here for the, this is the third week out. Um, but I barely see them. I mean, COVID years, I didn't see them the entire year pretty much. Mm. Um, and like, I'm pretty close to them as well. Even your mates back home that you feel like, you know, when you do win a trophy and it's like, they're the people you want to celebrate with, like not the ones that are sort of hanging on to you out here. It's like, you can never get home to see them. So like that sort of stuff um, sucks in a way. And like, you know, my job is basically, you know, I get paid based on my performance. So you don't perform, you don't get paid. And then, you know, I've got five other people, six other people that are working for me that it's like, you know, it's, it's like, it's, it's pressure. Yeah, like my team, I've got Gilly pretty much travels with me full time, um, pretty much does all the stuff that I don't want to do in the way of like sending emails, like he's just been booking cars for the morning to get us to the course, um, sorting out travel, logistics, a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, and then I've got my physio, Simone, um, my girlfriend Maggie travels with me pretty much full time. Um, who else we got? My caddy, obviously. Um, and we're like, we're pretty tight knit. We've been traveling, like sharing accommodation a lot, uh, recent times, um, which can have its benefits and its downsides as well. But mm. yeah, I'd, I'd say like, I'd say I'm pretty different from most most of the other guys too. A lot, a lot of other guys are a bit more like business focused and they don't really stay with their team. But I get along really well with everyone that I work with. I'm pretty lucky for that. So I've had like, I've, you know, most of the guys that work for me, I've worked with for a long time and had really good personal friendships with them too. So we do like to stay together a fair bit on the road. Yeah, love that. Thousands of Aussies trust Aussie broadband to keep them connected to the world, even when they're on the go. Because as well as reliable home internet, Aussie Broadband also offers flexible mobile plans with super generous data allowances and no locking contracts. Their 100% Australian-based support team are ready to help you make the switch. It only takes a few minutes. Aussie Broadband, the actual Aussie way. Search Aussie Broadband Mobile to find out more. T's and C's apply. You mentioned before about like that 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 side of golf um, and elite sport and even just elite you know business in general, like how hard that pressure is, high pressure. Um, that's easily the hardest part of sport, which, which you would agree. Like physically, physically, you have to be good at golf. Like that's great. But I can imagine how hard stress, like the pressure, all these sort of things you have to be on top of. How much work goes into that side of your game? Well, that's pretty much all I work on. Yeah. I mean, the last two weeks, uh, even probably the last three weeks, I've really not even focused on technique or anything to do with like actually hitting golf shots at all. It's yeah. just been like all mental stuff. So like getting everything getting everything cleaned up off the golf course in terms of like, you know, not getting in arguments, not getting like, you know, getting good sleep, trying to get like decent nutrition. So you're not sort of like turning up in a bad mood to play golf or like just kind of cleaning up a lot of stuff within life. And then 
Once is that been is that been like the the, the hard things to come over? Like what they think that you maybe struggled with earlier as a as a young professional? Yeah, I think I mean like you're thrown into a into the deep end in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Like especially in the PGA Tour, these guys like it's the 150 best players in the world. You don't you don't beat any of them without playing some sort of decent golf. Um, so it's 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 really tough to get everything right. And you're playing against guys that have been doing this for 15, 20 mm. years. So, you know, they've just, it's just like clockwork for them. So to try and figure that out, figure out what works best. It's like, it's, it's pretty tough. And yeah, like sort of struggled a bit this year to find like the balance of, of everything, you know, um, how, like how many weeks do we stay together before? It's like, I kind of hate you. Like, can you just yeah. leave for a couple <laughs> of hours? And like that whole, that whole side of things, like find, you know, finding that whole balance of, um, of just life as well. Like it's, it, it's very easy to sit here and, and think, you know, like if I miss a cut, is my coach going to look at me and be like, oh, he's not working hard enough. Mm. So that can make you work harder, but it's like, you actually don't, you actually need to give yourself a bit more time off and a bit more like you actually need rest rather than hard work. And it that's probably one of the hardest things is like trying to figure out getting the right balance because you don't want to, yeah, it's, it's hard if you get it wrong. We think you're not working hard, but really you just, you actually just need to freshen up. Yeah. yeah. And I guess, like, I guess too, I mean, I was like, I was talking to Lockie Hunter um, today. He's sitting at home with COVID and watching the golf. So we we're messaging back and forth and um, we we're just talking about Bailey Smith and like a bunch of stuff that he's been going through. And it's like, people don't realize like you actually can't get away from that. You know, like you can take a break from footy, but people are still going to like hone in your social media or mm. they're going to, they see you down the street, they're going to ask you what's going on. And then like you can retire and then you're going to be like even more scrutinized as the guy who retired and couldn't put up with it all. Like I don't like, I think once you get your name to a certain level, you don't actually, you don't actually have the ability to like get away from it ever. You know, you're always like you're always going to be known as an AFL footballer mm. in, in, in some capacity and you're never going to be able to lose that title. So like, I think that's probably, that's probably an interesting thing is like, you know, it's obviously a high stress environment, but you can't get away from it. Yeah. Yeah. That's how, probably how one do, thing how, that people don't understand. And, and it, like, what do you implement for that? Because I know that we chatted when we were chatting a while back, you were saying that you'd listened to a couple of the pods before. Mm. I think you mentioned, was it Emma Murray that you listened to or who, who were you listening to? Through? I listened to a fair few. Yeah. Um, top of my head, like Clarko, we were just talking about Clarko yeah. before. I listened to that one. Um, listened to Caleb Daniel. Yep. Um, Chris Judd. And, and not so much for not so much for a promotion of the pod, but more just going like, what what have you learned from from operators like that? Like, what are things that I suppose even professional golfers, mentors like your caddy, what are things mm. like that have helped you so much with your mindset in this space around golf? Because as we said, it's it is such a, a mental sport. Yeah, it's interesting. I always I really enjoy listening to like other athletes the yeah. way they approach life, the way they approach their sport. Like AFL, AFL, I find very interesting. Like. Obviously, like obviously I've talked about it a lot it's like it's kind of our passion away from golf you know like he's getting up at 4am to watch the Tigers play at random days in the year and like you know if there's ever like we'll, I'll be watching the doggies game whilst we're getting ready to you know like all the way up until I go to the range to play a tournament you know if they're, if they're on at the right time like I'll be watching it all through the warm up because it's like that's a bit of our escape I guess and our sense of home um it's also good too, like you watch the, it's like the, the Australian ads come on TV. Yeah. So you're like, oh, uh, the, you know, just a sense of familiarity. Um, it's really interesting to listen to those guys. Um, like one I've listened to earlier this week, which is not a plug for your podcast, unfortunately, but um, Adam Scott, 
and Steve Williams um, recalled like their story about the win in the Masters yep. with Evan Priest. And it was like, it was really interesting because Scotty had just lost the Open Championship like six months earlier. He'd bogeyed for the last four holes to lose by one. So he had three shot lead seeing on the 15th tee. And it was like, he got rid of it so quickly and he's like, I know I'm playing so good. Like, I just know I'm going to win. And he went into that Masters week going like, basically like if I keep my heartbeat going, I'm going to win this tournament. Mm-hmm. That was like the way he felt. I don't know. I, something would be that resonated for me this week. So like, I think like my mindset switched a little bit this week. I've been like, been trying to be really sharp on that first tee, like ready to go. Like the first shot is like we're switched on. It's not, you're not like kind of playing your way into the, into the round it's like we're ready to go it's like the first tee shot is the most is as important as the last shot on Sunday um, so it was like you know just being I was trying to be really sharp with that mm. today and like really like honed in on that and then just like that sense of belief that I'm like you know what like I played really well at the PGA two months ago like I can 100% compete out here with these guys like this is like I can definitely win this tournament and like if I don't try and force things and make them happen too much, just like just be patient um, and just like stick to you, like stick to your own sort of processes of like, you know, keep that self-confidence level up and like keep that level of focus up for every yeah. shot. Like we're going to be somewhere near it come Sunday. Yeah, I love that, man. I think that's the biggest message always for 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 young people. If I could ever say it was like when I played footy, I just was happy being there mm-hmm. and I just didn't didn't go like, I can actually be the best. But know? for some people, that's just what they want too. Yeah. Like, like if that's what you wanted, then like there's nothing wrong with that. I don't think it was what I wanted, but I think it was like you just need. I, I didn't believe in myself enough, and I if you if you don't if you don't if you go out there tomorrow and go, oh, I'm just happy to take part. Like you will take part. Yeah. But if you go out there and go, I can actually, I, I will win this. I can win this. I'm a chance. Like I'm more than a chance. Mm. You'll be more than a chance. Yeah, I guess like. Like, I don't want to be Tiger Woods. Like, yeah. I don't want to be at that level. Um, and I guess, yeah, if, like the AFL equivalent is That's like- That's really cool though. Do you, like, did you want to be Chris Judd? No, <laughs> no I like, didn't at all actually. And that's probably like, that's probably another thing as well. Like, I don't know that people outside of sport understand that not every player wants to be the peak elite top of their sport because there's a lot that goes with that. You know, like the toll that takes on your family and your social life- um, to be that selfish to be successful, it's like it's brutal, and you got to be you be a certain type of person to to want that. And it's like, is you know, I've gotten to fortieth in the world, and is like, let's say I get to fifteenth in the world, being like I am, is being number one in the world that much more gratifying that it's worth the sacrifice that you put on everyone in your family, your friends, you know, that whole side of thing is like. Maybe it's not. Like maybe I want to live this lifestyle and if I get to 40th as my best, 15th, 5th, 2nd, 1st, whatever it is, like I'm happy with that life that I've lived and I have no regrets because I don't I don't want to be that person that I think everyone almost like want, everyone thinks that's what you want to be when you become an elite Man, athlete. I, I, I just did it then. I was like, you're so right. You are so right. Like that was- I must have been talking absolute shit then because there was no part of me that ever really wanted to be Chris Judd either. Mm. But we do get taught this story of like, if you're not the best of things- You should try and be the best. You should try and be the best. And like, really weird, I've never said this out loud, but in my head, you know, with the podcasting game, I was like, oh, you know, 
be like Joe Rogan. Like, you know, you, you set yeah, those yeah. high goals in your head. But then I'm like, I couldn't think of anything worse. Like, imagine <laughs> not being, like, able to do anything. Like, at the moment, like, you know, I'm, I can get by, having fun. I'm fucking talking to you on a podcast in Scotland and somehow this is work. Yeah. I'm, I'm the most successful person that I would ever want to be. Yeah. Like, imagine you're sitting there and, like, you've got a million people sitting there going, I can't wait for the next Dylan Friends episode. And you're like, I don't have a single guest to bring on this. Mm. I'm gonna have to sit here for an hour and talk myself. Like I can't. I've got no one that we haven't spoken to before. That's, yeah. You know, like you, that would, yeah, that would break you if you're sitting there going like, I have to be the best podcast in the world. Mm. But if you're like, hey, like we don't need it. We don't even need to do a podcast this week. Like I'm doing this because I just enjoy it. And like if people don't get a podcast for week, that's fine. Yeah. Like, so what's what's your idea of success for you? Like, what is what's your ideal? Um, life look like? I don't even, I'd struggle to put words on it in a way. Like I think as long as you could sit there on the rocking chair at 60 years old in some sort of retirement village, you know, smashing beers at like sitting there waiting for five o'clock to roll around so you could start smashing beers to tell stories with the old folk. I think if you could sit there and and not be like, yeah, I could have been this, but I just, ah, I just didn't, I couldn't be bothered. If If it's always, I couldn't be bothered. I think that would be, unsuccessful mm. i think if you were like you know what that was my golf career and like that was everything i wanted to be and i had an absolute blast of a time like i would sit there very happily telling stories for the rest of my life yeah on the uh in the rocking chair or doing whatever i'm doing i think like obviously like with the lov stuff that's come up recently like money becomes a big thing mm. but it's like I come from bendigo like how if, if i was offered 200 million dollars or 20 million dollars like those two figures are going to change my life in the same way. And it's not like I would need $180 million to make my life. <laughs> like that wouldn't, yeah. on a scale, that would not relatively make my life $180 yeah. million better. Yeah. Um, which I'm not going to get offered that. And that's hypotheticals. But like, that's that's who I am as a person. I Like we'll, you know, Bendigo boys, we sit in the pub and tell stories. We don't, we're not sitting there like showing off the things that we bought or the things that we were able to buy with our life. Mate, um, I you know, with yeah. what we did. I love that, mate. I love your honesty. It, it's, it's, yeah. You should be really proud of yourself to be able to like identify that because I think to you can get so caught up and warped. And I think today is, is, is so prevalent as you are just, you know, the boy from Bendigo, but you're doing incredible <laughs> things as well. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I think it, I, I really, I really like people who come from like country towns. Yeah. And well, you know, I'm from Ballarat, yeah. You're a Ballarat boy? Yeah. <laughs> Tell us two. Really? Yeah. Did you stay in Ballarat until you were drafted? No, until I was two years old. Oh, right. Yeah. Where did you move to? <laughs> no, well, to Melbourne. So oh, I'm right. a, you're yeah. a city boy. No, I'm a city boy. <laughs> but you know they say you can take the boy out of the country, you can't take the country out of the boy. But yeah. the, funnily enough, all my family, um, dad's side's from Kitan, so near oh, Bendigo. Yeah. yeah, the Buckleys. So yeah, we're right. related in some way. Yeah, somewhere along the line. Some, somewhere along the line. I know uh, you've been at Super Gym for this time. I don't want to take up too much more Mate, of it. Sit here as long as you want. Okay, I've got fine. a 12.30 we, tea time tomorrow. So we, we won't leave. To be. We're not leaving. Um, you were saying before about telling stories at pubs at the end of your career. Mm. Tell us a story now that you're going to be telling at the pub. What's your favourite story with yeah in your golf career that you've just been like sitting back going, fuck me, like what's going on right now? Because I had it nearly today. Mm. Like- I was at this golf comp, um, never been there. Obviously, incredible. I saw Tiger Woods and I was sort of just like literally went a little bit weaker than knees. And <laughs> not saying this in a way that um, in an arrogant way I hope it doesn't come off, but like, you know, because I'd played with a lot of guys, I've just never had that idea of being overawed by an AFL player. Because in Australia, we don't yeah, have yeah. really anyone that's quite famous enough to like be that big. But when you go up to someone like that and 
you look, you stand near them. And like, he actually looked at my direction. I was just like, what the fuck is going on right now? That's I, mean, not, I hope that's not my pub story, by the way. It's a relative, right? Cause yeah. like you've sat out there and you've like, I was in air that was close to Tiger Woods. And I'm like, yeah, I do that all the time. Like, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. But I saw Alistair Clarkson standing on the rope. And I'm like, that's, <laughs> that's, that's fucking really, weird. really cool. <laughs> that's so Cause weird. I've watched like so much footy and it's like, holy, like, yeah. that guy was like, He's genuinely like an icon of Aussie footy. Like I respect that guy so much. And you'd be walking up to him like, oh, Clarko, what's going on? You'd be like, he's like your best pal. And I'd be I'd be falling like Mr. Clarkson. Thank yeah. you. Like, this, is a, this is a pleasure to meet you. Like, so it's, it's almost like the opposite. That's fucking Opposite mean. way to look at it. Um, <laughs> Steve Smith? Yeah, Smithy was, um, that was a great one of the Masters. We, so we played it, we played Augusta. This is my first Masters we played. Um, Missed the cut and like I hate being at tournaments when I miss the cut. Like I just want to get out of there. But Masters, I was kind of like, you know what? Like everyone here wants to be at the course. So like we'll go to the course. So we go to the course Saturday and it was as I thought it would be. It sucks to be outside the ropes when you've just walked for five days inside the ropes. Mm. Um, so I'm walking around and it's freezing cold and I was having a lot less fun than everyone else, but it was all relative. Um Anyway, one of my mates comes up and he's like, I've just seen Steve Smith hammered walking the other direction. <laughs> and I'm like, really? And I'm like, and then I'm thinking about it. I'm like, I probably probably need to go and look after this bloke a bit. Like, I don't really know. I don't, I don't like that doesn't sound like a great report. Like, maybe I need to kind of babysit this guy in a way. <laughs> so, I sort of found him and like just kept an eye on him for a bit. And then I was like, Smudge, what's going on? And, then, and he's oh, like- Oh, hey, how you going? Like he was with a couple of mates and they figured out I was a player real quick. So then they yeah. hung on and I, I had my phone out there. So you're not allowed phones at Augusta, but I had my phone out there. And so I got his number and texted him after the round. So he came around afterwards um, and it was it was hilarious. One of the boys that had come for the Masters, it was his birthday. So I've got a, I've got a big house that week for my crew and I've got a chef for the week. So we're sitting at dinner. Chef brings out a massive cake for my mate for his birthday. Everyone sings happy birthday. Door opens behind him and Steve Smith walks in and he's like, this is, what? <laughs> what is going on here? So, yeah, Smith, he just sat like, we drank a lot that <laughs> night. I don't know how he got out of there. But then, so, he, I, I had a Sunday ticket and he was looking for one. I was like, here you go. You can have a Sunday ticket. So I give it to him. Next day, we see him at the course. He didn't even recognize me. He just walked straight past us because he didn't. He was so <laughs> happy. He didn't even remember who we were. That's so good. Um, so I've sent a few texts with him since, and he actually remembers who I am now, at least. But it was like we sat, literally sat behind him in the grandstand on sixteen, and he's talking to Dan, his mate, and he had no idea it was us. So good on him. That, yeah, that was that was a pretty good story. I feel like you got. Oh, that's a great story. You got to let your hair down. Um, <laughs> you mentioned live golf before. I don't want to get into. To politics about it, but like, what's your thoughts on it? What do you what do you think about live golf? Like, is it do you, do you mind it? Do you like it? Is it like, oh I've, yeah? Um, I don't, I don't love it for myself. Mm. I think like, like I said, money's not. Yeah, I make I make a very good living doing what I do right now. Like I'm, I'm not there yet, but I'm on a very good track to be not having to work again after I finish playing. I can finish playing golf whenever I want, and I have to work again. Like Incredible. that's a very good lifestyle. So. I don't, for me, money's not going to be the thing. I say that, but then put the money that they're offering in front of me on the table. It's going to be hard to say no, but um, money's not the thing that's sort of driving 
why I do what I do. Mm. So I don't know. It, it just feels like you ever you ever heard people talk about how they're college football fans and not NFL fans because they're like college football guys care so much. You know, they really want to win and they yep. really want to get drafted because they have no money. Culture. And they're playing because they love it. And then you get drafted on a massive contract and all of a sudden it's like kind of going through the motions a little bit. I feel like live golf has got to be a bit like that. You know, like you sign up a massive contract like you get. Where's the incentive to go and like grind hard to, to work at it? Yeah, they're just... It's just gone. All of a sudden, all everything you've ever that's ever driven you is gone. You've got no. You can't go back to the PJ tour. You're gonna. You know these guys are probably not gonna be playing majors in twelve months' time, um, other than past winners of these events. So there's you. You literally you're stuck in just playing that. You can't go anywhere else from that. So it's like, where's the where's the motivation now to go and you know, grind and, and work really hard to to get results. Like mm. and it's fifty four holes, no cut. It it looks like more of a Formula One party than it does yeah. an actual golf tournament. Um I'm sure they're gonna I'm sure they'll get the events a lot better and they'll fine tune them and everything. But it just like I don't know. For me right now it seems like there's more interest in like who signed up to play the events than like any of the actual results that are coming up in the events. Mm. You know, like other than Gracie winning the last event, you couldn't tell me who was in the top five. But you could tell me who the guys were that that was their first event playing because like that was all everyone was hyping about. So it's like, I don't know, it, it might turn into a into a product that's great and like if you've got the best 48 players in the world playing on it, then it's like, yeah, well, I want to play against them because that's the biggest test of your game, right? Mm. And that's what you – like, if you're beating the best 48 or 47 players in the world every week, then that's, you know, that's something to sit there on the rocking chair and tell your kid, grandkids about. But for the money, I don't know. I, don't, I, I can't – I'm not really sold on it right now. It's cool. I love I, – I really love your mindset on – on your money situation it's it's actually sick it's so good to hear it's so refreshing because as we said earlier like it just you can get caught in that trap of just like chasing 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 and it, it doesn't make you any happier it doesn't do it like when you get to a stage that you you're going to be good with yeah look i'm and i'm very aware that i come to this from a position of i, I make very good money so i don't have I, i'm not you know i'm not in a position where i have to worry about it so it's easy to not worry about it yeah um you know like fuel prices go up and i'm like oh really very lucky is what yeah. I do. I'm very fortunate. That's but awesome. I'm also not. I'm not sitting here trying to become ultra wealthy. Yeah. Um. That's that's not what that's not what drives me. That's awesome. With um the live golf stuff because obviously as you were saying earlier with with Phil there was like you know there's people saying stuff and Aurora is like really against it. Mm. In the locker rooms, can you always can you feel like Adam? Is it debt tension in there? Like, is there parts where you go, oh, like, is there anything sort of happening behind the scenes that people wouldn't see? Um, there's the occasional <laughs> snarky comment here and there, but I, th- I would say for the most part, you got a few, the very vocal ones on the PJ tour are, they have some, they have some other reasons why they financially would not like live to take off. Yeah. Um, I think they've got a few irons in fires that have things to do with the PJ tour, but mm. for the rest of us, I mean, like I don't hold anything against the guys that go, like if you're going to go. I've no issue with you going like, because you're obviously going for the money. Like, don't try and dress it up like you're trying to change the game. Like, you're going because you're making a lot of money. Um, and I and I don't blame you. Like, money's pretty cool. Hmm. If that's what drives you, that's what you want to do. These guys that have played 
you know, for 25 years on tour and it's like, what else am I going to achieve? Like, absolutely go for it. I don't know that I love that everyone's, I think the tours are being pretty transparent with the fact that like, you're not welcome to play on our tours once you've gone. If you're going to go, go, but you're not welcome to come back. The guys that think they're going to sort of turn around and be like, oh no, we're coming back. Like, we'll take this on. Like, no, they can't, they don't have the right to do that. It's kind of like, well, you signed up for this when you signed, you know, when you, when you joined the PGA tour as a member, you signed the document that says I won't play conflicting events without a release from the PGA tour because that's part of, mm. you know, part of signing your life away to the PGA tour for media rights and having them organize a lot for you is that they don't want you to go and screw them behind their back. So it's like, if you're going to sign that document, don't complain when you went for the money and now you can't come back. Like that's probably, that's probably the thing that I don't, I don't love about it, but guys individually, I don't, I don't have an issue with any of them that went and would happily chat to any of them. We get asked about it a lot. So like the locker room's almost a place where no, God, yeah. guys don't want to talk about it because they're like, oh, we're done with those questions, you know, outside of the locker room. Yeah. The role that I didn't realize um, today when watching that is, is so, so important. And I know you had a great relationship with your, your caddy. Mm-hmm. What's the role of caddy? What are you doing out there? Like who is your caddy? How special is it? And how important is it to have a, have a good one? Yeah, I mean- um, everyone's different from what they want from a caddy, but like, I I would say it's it's pretty it's it's pretty much like trying to pick a girlfriend. You know, like you spend that much time with each other, you got to get the personality match very very well. You got to be able to sort out problems between each other um, in an efficient way. Purely my my caddy with the massive beard. That's where he's recognisable. He's um, He's really good. He's we're, we're quite different from a mental point of view in terms of he's super OCD and analytical and it's mm. like numbers driven and like he hates giving me – like if the wind's straight into, he can't tell me the wind's straight into. It has to be like just off the right or just <laughs> off the left. Like it could never be straight into. It can never be exactly that because it's just something that he, you know, he can't really control. And I'm super artistic with what I do, you know, like I'll get – into the wind will get a yardage at like 130 and I'm like, I'm just going to hit like a seven on and I don't really know how hard I'm going to hit it. I'm just going to kind of make it go up there. Yeah, Like that's just, you know, I prefer to play golf where it's like very artistic and very like creating stuff on the fly. And, you know, this week's been a lot of fun because you just, you see like, you're just seeing random shots that are running over different parts and it's like, you don't practice that. They just kind of, you just kind of make it up on the go. So we're very, our, our personalities kind of match to become something that's like quite efficient. So he works probably harder than anyone else I've seen out there. He's, um, you know, he's got ridiculous amounts of information, um, especially this week too. Like I would suggest different ideas for him. Like, hey, what's your thoughts about like 17 of the pins back left? What's your thoughts about going down the second fairway and trying to get an angle that way? And he'll go like after we finish, he'll go back and have a look and he'll be like out there looking at the wow. the lines and stuff and he'll be getting numbers and he'll be like, come back to me the next day. Like, nah, it's not, no, you don't want to do that. Like it's, it's can't see anything and there's just nowhere to hit it. Like, or other days it's like, yeah, I actually really like that play. Like I've got middle of the rough, nowhere near anything. And he was like, yeah, I've got some yards from out there. So when we hit it out there, I'll know how far we've gotten. Yeah, he's, he's very good at what he does. He used to play, he says he played on the Asian tour, but- I've seen him play and I don't know how he got he had a tour card at any point, but um he comes from a background of playing. So he 
uh, like obviously understands, you know, he sees the same sort of stuff that I'm seeing a lot yeah. of the time. Um, these four days, when the four days are up, mm. opens done. What's the plans? Well, how are you going to chillax? I'm having a two week holiday. Yeah, where are you um, going to go? Because I'm considering, uh, well, I'm going to stay on now. Mm. So we should link up. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you said Greece. Like, yeah. You said Greece. I think we're going to Greece, not next week, the week after. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah. yeah. We made that work. Yeah. <laughs> um, try, I, was, I actually wanted to get on a boat next week down in Italy and kind of like do a bit of a tour around the coast and stuff wow. and see everything. Just because like I'm hoping that I won't, like the boat won't have Wi-Fi. Yeah, you want to like, switch off? Spend like four or five days just like reading books. It's like with my missus, just chatting, playing cards, like getting a phone, like putting a phone away and- you know, like being unreachable and like people know that you're unreachable too. It's not like, that's kind of sometimes fun about being on a plane is like people know that you're on a plane so you can't talk. Yeah. So it's like, you don't have an excuse. Whereas if, you know, you're messaging me this afternoon to organize a pod and I don't respond for four hours, like it's frustrating because you're like, I, you know, I have a phone, you know, like I'm just ignoring you. So um, not that that happened, but- Yeah, you were very prompt. <laughs> but yeah, I think like- as much as I'm glued to my phone, like I actually- You need would, to get off it. I would love to get off it yeah. for four or five days. Have you got yeah. any books you're going to read? Um, I just bought the Nicky Lauder autobiography. I would like to read that. Who's that? Um, F1 legend. Okay. So he was racing- There's a movie called Rush. Yeah. Um, him and James Hunt had this like massive rivalry back in the 70s and 80s. And then Nicky had a crash at the Nürburgring, I think it was. Mm. And like- Car was on fire. They couldn't get him out of the wreck for ages. And he's like half his face got all burnt and like he just, he looks all sorts of like messed up because um, his face had like third degree burns for ages after that. But he was like, um, he it would almost be like the equivalent of like a Rafa Nadal against Kyrgios. Like kind of Hunt was always this flamboyant guy love partying and you know love that lifestyle and nikki was just like super dedicated yeah, like yeah. he'd be getting there early and walking the track and you know like knew how to set up the cars really well so um he yeah he was like that they, they had like that nice rivalry where it was um yeah different personalities but like still very i don't know it's not a great comparison because curious is not a great like james hunt was but yeah. Um, I want to say Nadal or Djokovic, but like both those guys are super dedicated to. Um, yeah. But yeah, anyway, um, I'd be interested to to read about that. Don't have anything else. I think my girlfriend read Open by Andre Agassi. I wouldn't yeah. mind reading that too. Yeah. I reckon that'd be good. Yeah, it'd be a good read. I'm have you had anything good? I'm reading Good to Great at the moment. Um, good to Great. Good to Great, Jim Collins. It's really good, man. It's like best-selling book. It's about, it's about businesses that like- when it says businesses too, it's like a business is a person, a business yeah, yeah. is anything. Yeah. And it's like we talk about how many people are good but you don't get to great. Mm. And so it just shows like those like three or four things to get to to that stage. Mm. But again, maybe that's not what some people want to be. So if as long as it's it's there. A business is a business before it is making money too or officially yeah. kind of yeah. like a business. Half the, half the time it's just like a bit of a side project. Yeah, we, a- we didn't make money for like three years for doing this. Yeah. So there you it's, go. it's been hectic. There you go. Just some tidbits to finish up to let us know um, top places that you love playing golf. Where's your favourite course in the world? I love playing in Queenstown in New Zealand. Yeah. You ever been there? I have been there, but I haven't played golf there. Right. Even just being there, like I loved New Zealand Open has been there a couple of times and like I don't really have any reason to play other than I love going there. 
So I've played that a few times based purely off that. I really like playing in Prague, Czech Republic. Yeah. Uh, Prague's really good. Um, South Africa as well. South Africa's sick. There's, we get we get to see some really cool places in yeah. the world. And generally, like, golf's a bit of an elitist sport. So you end up in some spots where it's like- Hectic. They're not the bendigos of the- uh, Yeah. <laughs> of the uh, countries we go to. As much, like- as, as much as I'd love the Tyson's Reef for the Palmer at uh, every country we go to. The best couple of tips for amateur golfers. What would you say is the best tip to get low? Um, have fun for a start. Golf. It's not like you're not playing at our level. Just have fun with it. Yeah. I don't think you can ever get good enough at chipping and putting, like even at my level. So just like chipping and putting is probably like the fun bit. And it's like if you can get good at that, you can kind of save yourself a lot of the time if, you, if you're hitting it badly. Biggest myth about golf? Um, putt f- drive for show, putt for dough. Mm. Complete opposite. Got to send it off the tee. <laughs> <laughs> Got to send it. <laughs> Love that. I can't do either, unfortunately. Um, and best part about being on the professional golf tour lifestyle. I think you've answered today, the traveling. Yeah, there's plenty of, there's plenty of good things. Um, even just like... Maggie's going to hate me telling this story, but <laughs> she was like massive One Direction fan as a kid. As like teenager, yeah. she was one of those girls. Absolutely adored them. What were they called? The like the- Direction One. One Direction as a something. Because it was like Belieber. Probably, yeah. But there's a One D or I think it is. I can't remember. I won't even go into the depths of how much she yeah. liked them. But anyway, Niall Horan was in the players' lounge today and she was like shaking. And I'm like, Come on, let's go get a photo. And she was like, I had to basically push her over there. Like, no, I'm not sure whether you've dealt with fangirls before, but, yeah. you know, here's, uh, you, can you please just take a photo? So, like, things like you get to meet some yeah. really, really cool people, um, especially like across a lot of sports too. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's what I really, like, I just love picking guys' brains. Like, obviously, Warney, when Warney was alive, like, I spent a bit of time with him picking his brain about, you know, competition and then, like, um, speak to like Ricky Ponting a little bit just like yeah the cricket is like so many so many boys that play AFL football like I love there's the AFL footballers that do what they're required to do and there's the ones that do what makes them play well mm. um, and I love talking to the ones that do what makes them play well um, just to see like the different just the different like just hearing different things that people try and you know like everyone's so different um that's like someone might suggest something you're like oh i've never even thought of doing that mm. like i wonder if that would work um because yeah we're at a point we're at a point in sport where there's like you can't really reinvent the wheel too much anymore like everyone's getting a lot out of what they can do and you're looking for like less than half a percenters so like yeah any little combination of different things to try and play better is it, always open to uh, is there, searching is there one little tidbit you picked up off someone that you've been like fuck that's gold like it stands out. I remember chatting with Warney at St. Andrews about three years ago. And I was like, you know, when you got into did you ever feel nervous? Do you ever feel like, you know, he was always someone that like when the team was struggling, he's like, give me the ball. I want yeah. the ball. You know, he's not going like, oh, I hope I'm not the one that's going to fuck this up. Um, and he was like, yeah, I always took the attitude of like, watch me, like watch me do this. And I think I took that into golf quite a bit where it was like, you all, you know, You'd have a you'd have a shot where you're like, oh, like this is oh, this is hard. Like there's a lot of people watching me here. Like I don't want to mess this up. And then I sort of flipped it to be like, watch me, 
And all of a sudden, like that, just flipped the mindset enough to be like, to now, like, yeah, it's just like you said, if you if you go out there to try and shoot par, you'll probably shoot par. If you go out to try and shoot six under, you'll probably go somewhere close to that. Like, yeah. just changes your intent, so it changes, you know, um, yeah, it just changes a lot. And I think like just just those two words of like, watch me, like all of a sudden that put a, brought a whole new mindset to the way I was sort of doing things. Love that, man. Absolutely love that. Mate, honestly, cannot thank you enough for your time. It's been extremely generous sitting in your place in Scotland. I have to pinch myself because it is, it is incredible um, for Put us. Put it in perspective. You're sitting in student accommodation that we booked. Well, if you saw ours- We booked on Sunday night. If you saw ours, it'd be worse. Yeah, I, yeah. I booked this place on Sunday driving here because I was optimistic about the house that I had booked already. So we don't have a living room. But this that's is, the best is part. The this is the best part. Like I just, I'm been walking around this whole week just going, how the fuck are we here in Scotland? My first ever thing, just sitting with Lucas Herbert in his lounge room and just talking absolute shit. I can't believe you've never been to a golf tournament before this. this like, you, you're going to get let down with every tournament you go I to. I know. Right? Yeah, I know. I know. So that's- yeah, well, uh, hopefully we'll, you know, we've got to tick off Augusta and US Open. We can do those ones as well. Yeah, but even like, I mean, Augusta's gonna be unreal, but yeah. past that, mate, you're gonna, there's not gonna be any tournaments you're gonna be like that compares to the Open. No, nah, like, this, this is absolute filth. Well, what I'm really looking forward to tonight is heading out into into St Andrews as well and, and meeting some locals, having a couple of beers. Do you know the places to go? Oh, we've we've had a bit of a short list, but where would you recommend? You got to go to the Dunvegan. Like that's just that's just you've just got to go there. Um, where else is good? You go to the the Jigger Inn next to the Seventeenth. That's like the bar downstairs. Yes, the yes. Old we Hotel. That one, yeah. You'll probably you probably end up with some players down there. You'll end up doing some impromptu podcast <laughs> at two AM. <laughs> probably a few caddies down there as well. They'll probably they'll, you know what? Find some caddies. They'll give you the best stories. One hundred percent. The caddies are always the caddies are hilarious. Um, where else is there? Just anything like anything Market Street or. I can't remember the next street up, the one that's closest to the course. Like anything in there is just going to – like this week is just – Humming. Humming. Yeah. yeah. The, the vibe here is is genuinely incredible. We'll, we'll definitely head down for a few beers. Last one as well, we should, what we should do is um, I'll get you a photo with Clarko. Mm. You can get me one with Tiger. <laughs> <laughs> just promise it. Just promise it on it. We don't have to follow through. Can we can Photoshop be involved? We can Photoshop. Like- <laughs> we can definitely Photoshop be involved. We can definitely Photoshop be involved. Um, yeah, we're gonna struggle with that. Yeah. I think. I think if we get a photo with Tiger, he might be on the pod as well. So yeah, yeah, done. That's about. Nah. That's about how likely the two of them. Hundred percent done. Lock it in. <laughs> Consider it done, mate. Thank you so much. Um, you're an absolute star. Can't wait to watch you tomorrow. Thank you. Can't wait to watch you um, the next two days and. Let's take it. Let's Should be it. fun. Let's have it home. Should and hopefully fun. we'll have a, a big beer at the end of it. Yeah. I'm down for that. Sunday night. Yeah. Sunday night. Lock that in. Appreciate it, mate. Thank you. Thanks, boys. Thanks for listening to another Producey podcast. If you enjoyed the show, that'd be a massive help if you could like, follow, rate, subscribe, tap the bell, leave a review, or even share with one of your friends, or you could do them all. If you want to get in touch to share feedback, suggest a guest, or advertise with one of our podcasts, then email hello at Producey.com. Thanks for tuning in. Ily XX.